0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The Sports Virus Podcast. Welcome to the Sports Virus Podcast, everybody. I'm Joe Castellano, along with Ray Woodson, and we're brought to you by Kane's Tire in San Rafael, where they've had the lowest prices in Marin County for over 60 years. And once again, we're brought to you by TPC Harding Park, the only public golf course in san francisco offering golfers the opportunity to play where the pros play ray uh just a great time to be a sports fan especially when you're talking about the nba because uh the nba after the all-star game you really start to have the drive for the postseason, and the Warriors are playing a lot better basketball. The the Sunday game against the Nuggets, notwithstanding, but uh, they turn around, they, they beat a Wizards team that, you know, they're supposed to beat them, but they have won six in a row on the road for the first time in five years, and they've won 11 of their last 14 games. So the Warriors are definitely playing better basketball.
1: Oh, They're, they're trending in the right direction. Um, you know, a game like Denver uh, – probably tells you they're not ready for prime time yet. But they weren't winning some of these other games against these other teams earlier in the year. So you take what you can get at this point. And, you know, if if they're beating teams they should beat and occasionally getting a win against a team with a better record, uh, they'll keep moving up. You know, the problem is that they were far behind. They were out of the play-in game spot there for a while. They got a lot of climbing to do and a lot of teams to climb. And there's not a whole lot of time left, but all you can say, and, and I don't know where it goes with this, how far they can go. If you're st- stuck in a play-in game, I mean, your season could end with one, one game, in the, if you're in the wrong spot. But at least, at the very least, they're more watchful now. There's more optimism there there now. The basketball is better, and I think they've they've gotten some answers to some of their questions. And so that part is encouraging. They've found some things with some of these younger players that they can move forward with. And now they need the veterans to stay healthy. And, you know, maybe they can make a little run at it. Uh, I'm not, I know that uh, some guys with the Warriors, like Draymond, uh, are saying that this is a team ca- that could contend for a title. And given their pedigree, yeah, I guess you you would believe that if you were them. I'm not seeing that yet they got 20 games to change my mind and then maybe playoff games. We'll see. But they're at least better now.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, when Draymond came out and said that they can beat any team, I get it. I mean, most players would want to come out and say that, especially if you're a Warriors player who's won championships like he has. But... You know, I can't agree with them when I saw them playing the Nuggets. I just don't think they have an answer for Jokic. I mean, they just cannot stop him. I think defense is the biggest problem, too. I mean, against any of the great teams that they're going to play, I don't know that they're going to slow them down. They'll have a really good test coming up, a couple of good tests, because, you know, playing in New York against the Knicks, that's not going to be easy. And then on Sunday, playing the Celtics, the best team in the league right now, those are pretty good tests. Maybe, you know, get more of a barometer and, and see where the Warriors are right now.
1: Well, with Draymond back and uh, Gary Payton, the second back, uh, their defense is better.
0: Uh, Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
1: They still have some lapses. When Andrew Wiggins is right, their defense is also better. But now he's not there. He has some family issues once again this year, and we're not sure when he's going to come back. And, uh, you know, the Warriors are giving him all the leeway they can. It's a personal issue, and so – you, know, you they're the employer, and that's the way they're handling it. But the fact is that when he's in and out of the lineup, it's disruptive as far as the basketball. Now, that, given Wigan's situation, that's not the most important thing in life. But still, he was training upward, too. He was playing better. And now he's away. So, you know, you got to deal with that, and hopefully it all works out for the best for him. But we don't know exactly when he's going to come back. They did all right you know, against Washington, but that's a far inferior team, they're going to play, have some tough matchups here. And I, I looked at this, this five, six game stretch that started with hosting Denver and then going to Washington. And then, you know, they got a game in Boston. They got a game with the Knicks tomorrow night and they got the Bucks when they come home. It's, it's a stretch where I thought, okay, if they could go four and three in that seven game stretch, they might be able to make a run at this uh, and get into a playoff spot, maybe the sixth spot. Outside chance of that. Uh, losing to Denver, losing that one didn't help, uh, but they can still get this done, and they believe they can get this done. We'll see. But, uh, you know, they got to have the full squad. Uh nice thing is Moody stepped in, played pretty well last night, and, you know, after not having played, I think, the game before. So that shows what a pro he is. They've got better depth now. Chris Paul is in there. And, uh, you know, that helps the second unit. Clay's playing pretty well overall, coming off the bench. Had a good game last night. So uh, an excellent game against Utah's best of the year. You know, you know, again, these are all encouraging trends, but this is the kind of team. They've got to have everything, everything together on all cylinders if they're going to make any kind of serious run.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Chris Paul coming back, he did not look like a guy who had missed 21 games. I mean, he looked like he just kind of rolled right into it and, and played well, I thought. And, and you think about the uh, quote from Clay Thompson talking about having two Hall of Famers in the backcourt coming off the bench. I mean, no no teams can claim that. I mean, you know, so this this right now, I I like this idea of having Thompson coming off the bench. He seems to be a little more motivated. Not that he wasn't before, but maybe, he, you know, he he feels like kind of like being that relief pitcher that can come in and throw harder than when you're the starting pitcher. And, you know, you have to pace yourself a little bit. Maybe he doesn't pace himself as much. Uh, It seems like he's just taking better shots. And that seems to be the key for Clay.
1: Yeah, and if he has Chris Paul with him, maybe he's going to get better shots, too. Yeah. And, you know, Chris Paul's 38. He's got to stay healthy, right? And that's been a problem. Uh, you know, this last injury wasn't necessarily due to age, but uh, he's just got to stay on the floor. And if he can for the rest of the year, it's definitely going to be an asset for them for that second unit. And uh, this this change for Clay, he's, he's handled it well, I think, and he's responded overall pretty well. So, oh, by the way, I found out that Larry Bird and I have something in common. Uh, we both think that uh, Clay's one of the best players out there to watch uh, <laughs> um, among our favorites. Larry Bird said that. He's like, Clay's one of his favorite players to watch. And so when I comment about Clay, I have to confess that I'm biased because I root for him harder than probably any other warrior. It's like 1A and 1B, him and Steph, as far as my favorite warriors. because uh, Because of his journey, because he's been through so much, because of his personality, how it's come out in the last 10 years, I mean, you couldn't get two words out of him when he came to the Warriors. And, you know, he's just kind of grown in that regard. And he's actually a pretty funny guy, sometimes unintentionally. But he's, you know, he's, but I just love his jump shot. I, if I could teach any kid how to shoot the basketball, I'd have him watch Klay. Uh, even though he's not making as many as he used to, He's he's doing better lately, 45% from three coming off the bench. Uh, Again, that has value. And we talked about it before. He's a guy who on the road when you need threes, he can hit them. That has value. All that experience. So, yeah, Larry and I, we're right there. Uh, We got Clay at the top of our list.
0: I, I'm still I still have Steph at the top of my list, but I'll tell you I mean that I, I was one of the worst games that he's had uh, as an NBA player at least the worst half anyway. Yeah. I mean he didn't score in the first half on Tuesday and then he had 18 in the second half, which I don't even know how he got 18 because it just seemed like he was missing everything. Uh, and and you know that's one of those rare times, Ray, where the Warriors can win because they're playing a lousy team like the Wizards and have Curry with a game like that. Because I, I just don't think they can win many games against good teams if Curry's not really on top of it. I mean, he's going to have to have great games to beat those really good teams.
1: Yeah, he's going to have to be vintage Steph, and he's going to have to get some help, which he's you know starting to get. And guys like Kaminga and and maybe Clay coming off the bench is, provides a little more firepower that way. But you know this all revolves around Steph. It almost always has. Uh, I'll, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face, and I said it on the air for many years. This team was, is, and always will be Steph's team. I hope that the you know Steph, Draymond, and Clay can all retire as Warriors. Uh, some doubt about that with Clay, um, and I guess his camp has kind of let it be known because now stories come out that he and Lakeham have a strained relationship. You know, and, and that's one of those things that. I think that his camp might have put that out in the universe to put a little pressure on ownership. But it's going to be tough because he's not going to get paid what he probably thinks he's worth at this stage in his career if he's going to be so erratic and so inconsistent. But they've got to find a way this summer. They can't let him go just for the culture of the team. And I think if Steph says he wants him, they'll find a way. And you know, All Steph has to do is say the word. But, you know, that that team needs to provide Steph with as much help as possible because, yeah, even though he's still great, still the Hall of Fame vintage guy, most nights it's not unreasonable to expect a guy who's about to turn 36 is going to have some stretches of inconsistency now. Uh, You know, as as well-conditioned as much as he trains, father time is undefeated. Uh, he, you know, LeBron has, has pretty much uh, beat Father Time so far, but eventually that's going to come to roost, and Steph has as well. But the way Steph plays, you know, you got to have your legs under you, you got to be fresh, and he's as well-conditioned as any athlete. But I, I suspect he's going to have a few more of those games sprinkled in where he's really struggling. I looked at the box store at halftime last night, and I was, was checking to see whether it was a Sunday game in L.A. That's <laughs> usually when Steph has his offers. Yeah. <laughs> <So, laughs> That, that was a bit of a shock. And, you know, this is two and a half games where he's been shooting like this. But then, you know, he found his rage and, and did enough in the second half, got 18 points, and got the win for them. But they're going to be those nights. And he, he's going to have to have somebody step up uh, for him in those situations. And for the most part, Clay did last night, as well as Kaminga. Uh, you know, he, he didn't have that early in the season, he had to be Superman. So at least he's got a little bit more of that going on, and they did this without acquiring any players. Basically, they just got to get healthier.
0: Yeah, I mean, Steve Kerr did mention recently that Curry kind of looked a little fatigued to him. So, you know, I don't, I don't know that that lights a fire under staff. I, I think it was true. <laughs> I think he was. I mean, he wasn't shooting as well lately. Right. Um, right. Yeah, and and yeah. Steve Kerr was being honest. By the way, Kerr did get an extension on uh, his contract, which I think is well-deserved. I'm really glad that the Warriors are keeping him around for a few more years.
1: Well, sure. Again, part of that great culture they've had, part of that great legacy, you know, a guy who wins four championships, uh, you want to keep somebody like that around. He, he's been the same guy through thick and thin, and again, he has, he has the respect and has the vote of Steph and Draymond and Clay, and that's what really matters. So I think it's about... Ending the era with all these guys together, if they possibly can, that's what they all want. And you know, maybe finish with a flourish. Can they win another championship? Maybe not this year, but maybe next year. We'll see. Uh, And it would—I wouldn't put past Steve Kerr. He's been the best Warriors coach. Uh, I don't think that's outrageous to say that. Don Nelson has the wins record. Um, Al Adell's won a championship in '75, but he's been the best coach in the franchise's history, and this is. You know, again, four titles in the span of a decade. Um, not to say that I haven't criticized him at times, as I'm sure every fan has for one thing and another. And some of those things he admitted, you know, things that he, he messed up on, which, you know, this, this late into his coaching career with this much experience, it's surprising to see a coach make a mistake like that, much less admit it. But that shows you the kind of person he is. He's just an outstanding individual uh, who's, you know, I think we all know his journey as well. And part of that journey was he couldn't coach for a while. He went through hell with that uh, back injury. Uh, and, you know, he came back and, you know, they won a couple more titles. But he, he, he is, He's a guy who has the players' respect because of his resume. He can flash a bunch of rings from his playing days as well as being an assistant coach. So it, I think what this is reaching is a logical conclusion where Steph Draymond, and hopefully Clay and Steve Kerr uh, end their run together in a couple years.
0: Yeah, I think some of the criticism of Kerr early on was that he wasn't playing the young players enough, but I think now those guys are establishing themselves. I mean, Kaminga, and he had a little bit of a lull there, but he scored 20 in the last game, so he's kind of back on track. I think with Kaminga and Pajemski, those are two younger players that really add a lot with the way that they drive to the basket. Because I think there, there's been a lot of standing around at times in, in yeah. sort of in recent years, and I like the way those guys go after the basket. Because yeah, I mean you, you can you can shoot threes all day, but you need somebody that's going to try to you know get a layup or, or even following up shots. Pajemski's really good at that. He's creating a lot of second chance opportunities, and and he's great at taking charges. I think he leads the NBA in charges taken, which, you know, you, that's something that uh, you don't really go out and, and uh, pick a player for that. You know, you go, oh, I'm going to draft him because he takes charges. No, you don't really think about that, but I, I think that's part of coaching, and I think Pajemski's really taken well to that.
1: Yeah, I don't think a kid playing on his back uh, backyard court Is thinking, I'm going to be the best charge taker in the game. (laughs) I'm going to have more bruises than anybody else. (laughs) So, I mean, kudos kudos to him for that. He's he's elite at that. And at a a time where you don't see really, uh, most of the time you see when the offensive player initiates contact, it's the defender that gets called for the foul. So you have to be really good at taking a charge. And I think to the point now where he's developed a reputation of being very good at it. That's that's a call that the referees are giving to this rookie player. You don't see that very often. He's a good rebounder. He seems to know where he is on the court, pretty good passer. Been shooting threes all right. I think he's had a little bit of a lull lately, which you know, he's late in his rookie season and hasn't played this many games before, so that's a, understandable. But he's been a, you know, very pleasant surprise, I think. Everybody would say that. The thing with Kaminga, I mean, he had to go to the media and and you know, let it be known that he had lost faith in Kerr, and that's a serious situation. But, you know, Kerr, given the fact that he's got the job and given the fact that he has the resume he has, he didn't lose his cool about it. He didn't rip into the player or anything like that. You know, he had a conversation with him, and I think, you know, that story might have moved it forward for, for Kaminga a little bit, and, you know, I, I, I can think Kerr understood Having been a player in the league, when you're young and you're up and coming, you want to get more playing time. He gets that, and he probably told him that, and they came to an understanding. And to Kerr's credit, he, to his discredit, I think, yeah, he he sat Kaminga a bit too much earlier in the year, and I think he admitted that. But now he's, he's made the adjustment, and hopefully in time, and Kaminga has responded, uh, at least so far. As time goes on, we'll see. Exactly what kind of player he's going to become, but he's understanding now what he can and cannot do in the league, uh, where his strengths are. He's got to be a better rebounder and a better defender to stay on the floor. And it looks like he's, you yeah, he, he you learn this sometimes on the job, and maybe with more minutes and more uh, consistent playing time, uh, he'll grow into that as well. I mean, as far as upside, I saw it a couple of years ago. I felt like, no, don't let go of this guy. Uh, <laughs> this is the one guy you don't want to deal away. Uh, And I'm sure other teams were most interested in him because he has that upside, but there wasn't a deal to be made. And I think the Warriors felt that whatever player they're going to acquire wasn't as good as what, what they're acquiring now with Kaminga as he starts to come into his own. You know, this is a, a young player who didn't have a whole lot of basketball experience, period. So, it, uh, you understand why a guy like Kerr, who's been in the league forever, wants to bring along a fellow like that slowly, because there is a learning curve there. There's not quite the experience there as say with a a four year player from college like Trace Jackson Davis. But uh, he has responded, and you know he might be an all star in the future. He might not. I'm not sure if he's going to be at that level, but I think he's at least a, a another offensive option for first step, and that's the main thing.
0: Yeah, a little baseball analogy. I think if the Warriors had traded Kaminga, it would have been like Brian Reynolds getting traded by the Giants because Brian Reynolds is a really good player for the Pirates. Ouch.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's one that got away. And, you know, we were crying for all those years, can the Giants produce an outfielder from their farm system? And they finally did. And what happened? (laughs)
0: <laughs> He's yeah, gone. you know,
1: you don't, th- th- those are deals that come back to
0: bite you <laughs> for sure. I think that was the Andrew McCutcheon trade. But anyway, getting, getting, back to, uh, yeah, yeah, getting back to Steph for a moment, you know, it's ironic because I was mentioning that game on Tuesday, which is one of the worst, at least first half performances that we've seen from Steph. Uh, and that's on an anniversary, actually the 11-year anniversary of the 54-point game he had at Madison Square Garden uh-huh. against the Knicks, yeah. which was kind of like a coming out Party. That was sort of Steph before he was Steph. And, Ray, I was actually at that game. I was in New New York. The Warriors are there. I wasn't supposed to be going to a game, but somehow I was like, oh, maybe I can get a ticket. I just went by myself, sat behind the basket, and Steph goes off for 54. And I was like, wow, I'm glad I bought that ticket. Whatever I bought it for, it was totally worth it because I'll never forget that game. And he was just draining them from everywhere. He was 11 for 13 on three-pointers, and he was the first ever— 50 point score to also have double digits in three so that was a memorable game maybe you could pull something like that off again in new york coming up on thursday yeah yeah if
1: you could make it there you can make it anywhere <laughs> and uh, maybe he'll make it again uh, in the next game uh, you know that that was a, a marquee game a marquee moment that got espn just glowing about him and you know the highlights were endless uh, yeah, if you're going to have the best game of your young career, that's the place to have it. And yeah, that set him, I think that that's the game that really set him on his path. Uh, instead of just being that uh, little guy who could shoot pretty well, he he started opening some eyes to what a force he could be. I think the Warriors lost that game, though, didn't
0: they? Yeah, I think they did lose that game, you're right. I forgot yeah. what the score was, right? But, but nobody
1: remembers that, right? <laughs> <laughs> they just remember he went off and, uh yeah, you know, he, he He's still capable of doing that. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Maybe not coming as often, but hey, he had a 60-point game this year. So uh, that's certainly not out of the realm of possibility for him. But, yeah, that was a great memory. And I thought at the time that was one of the best regular season games I had ever seen uh, until that game in Oklahoma City in 2016. And, oh, by the way, I thought that even though they lost to the Lakers in double overtime, that game at home a few weeks ago Mm -hmm that went double OT, 145-144, was one of the best games in the regular season I, I've seen. That was just haymaker after haymaker. Uh, you know, the, the Knicks play a different style now. Uh, Jalen Brunson is having a tremendous year, and it'll be interesting to see uh, how they handle him defensively. I, I'd imagine we'll see a lot of clay and a lot of Peyton on him because that, that's a really crafty guy. But, but But for Steph to do that and continue to set records, shooting scoring and so forth and being a dominant player who plays almost exclusively under the rim is really a remarkable story and obviously he's a, a revolutionary player in this league
0: coming up we'll switch gears and talk about baseball when the sports virus podcast continues when it's time for new tires, you want the lowest prices and the best service, don't you? Well, Cane's Tire in San Rafael has you covered on both. Cane's has the lowest prices in Marin County, and they provide the warm and welcoming service that you can only receive from a family-run business. Voted Best of Marin for 35 years in a row, Cane's prices beat Costco's prices every time. Cane's Tire, 1531 4th Street in San Rafael. Give him a call at 415 453 2942. That's 415-453-2942 for Canes Tire. Live in San Francisco and love to play golf? Visit TPC Harding Park and purchase your two-year resident card, giving you immediate savings on golf and other programs at the park. Cut your green fees in half by purchasing your card today. Visit www.tpc.com slash Harding Park for more information. All right, let's talk about the San Francisco Giants. And you had a chance to go to a spring training game over there in Surprise, Arizona. And you saw Bruce Bochy and the Texas Rangers, the defending World Series champs against the San Francisco Giants, a team that a lot of fans feel didn't do enough in the offseason, which is, you know, it's still going because Blake Snell is still out there. And uh, Matt Chapman is still out there. And, you know, you wonder if maybe they they do something there. But uh, what were your thoughts just seeing the Giants on the field?
1: Well, for a February game, an inordinate amount of warm, fuzzy feelings, uh, because you had Bruce Bochy there, and he got honored pre pregame, uh, you know, Rangers fans there, still celebrating the World Series. He, by the way, uh tremendous honor for Bruce Bochy. He's been elected into the Hall of Fame. I don't know if you heard about this. Oh, wait, it's the Cactus League Hall <laughs> of Fame. Sorry. Um,
0: hey, that's okay.
1: <laughs> that's pretty good. You know, this a nice little ceremony. <laughs> and then... Then he had a, a hug for Pablo Sandoval and the Giants fans were out there and they were yelling, welcome back Pablo. And uh, that was the biggest cheers when he came up to the plate. So it was really like going in the wayback machine for me, having been there for all of those great moments during their uh, world series years. Uh, Pablo is actually looking pretty fit. Um, I will put it in italics for him. <laughs>
0: right. You know, he,
1: he, he's, He's not the guy you know he's not the stay puffed marshmallow man we saw in Atlanta. He's definitely trimmed down from that. he's taken this seriously it, it seems like the logical end here is he at least gets to retire as a giant and it's certainly a, you know an attraction for the fans. can he still play? Can he still hit? I don't put anything past pablo he He confounds you all the time in his career uh, but I don't know if there's really a spot for him, but it's a it's a nice little story and it was a great moment with him and bochi uh, i mean. Those two went around and around, believe me. And I, I think Pablo drove Bochy a little crazy. He, he, he drove a few people a little crazy over the years. But you talk about a guy who stepped up in the biggest moments in in the Giants' run. That was Pablo Sandoval. I mean, I was there the night he had three home runs against the Tigers and gave him one of the 2012 World Series, two of them off a future Hall of Famer, uh, Justin Verlander. The third, by the way, off Albert Albuquerque. <laughs> but... <laughs> But I digress anyway, um and then you know in the 14 postseason he set the record for postseason hits at the time. I think it's since been broken, but the, the guy came up big uh, when they needed him the most, and I think that's what fans remember as well as the panda hats and all that uh, but he he's a guy who I think had some real flaws that frustrated fans but still ended up being a fan favorite, so that's pretty good.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is going to be interesting to see. I mean, he hasn't played in the major leagues in a couple of years. Uh, yeah. So even if he's looking fit, I just I don't know what his bat looks like. It's good. That'll be interesting to see how that works well, out. Well, yeah,
1: he, he did make a little bit of contact. He also drew a walk, which is, you know, breaking news. He's, <laughs> wow. he's, he was not one to walk. Uh, I think he struck out a pitch in the dirt, which is, you know, that's the Pablo I remember. And, you know, he'd swing at anything from the nose to the toes. But th- does he have anything left? I mean, if I were a betting man, I'd say no. At, at his age, what is he? Thirty-eight now, but
0: I think thirty-seven. He, yeah, right now, thirty-seven.
1: You know, uh, but he he always was very naturally talented. Really, uh, quite a remarkable athlete given his physique. Always had great footwork, uh, had a good arm, and you know, there's some pop in that bat. So, uh, I mean, again, I I don't know if he makes this team. Maybe he retires as a giant, which would still be nice anyway. But uh, it's it's just fun to see him out there, and he's. I, He's not embarrassing himself so far, so that's, that's a good thing. Listen, there were a lot of February swings in that game, Joe, on Sunday. Uh, I think there were more batters hit by pitches than there were actual hits. <laughs> it, you know, so it, it ended up 0-0 because of a merciless or a merciful uh, pregame agreement between Bob Melvin and Bruce Bochy. Thank goodness they only wanted to play nine because there was not a whole lot going on there. There was a play though uh where uh runner was thrown out of the plate for the Rangers. So that was that was one bit of excitement. Other than that the only excitement was Pablo Sandoval, but you know, it was it was a beautiful day out in the sun, so that's the main thing. Uh yeah, you're 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 not going to see a whole lot of good swings in February against these pitchers. They got to catch up. But I guess the, I guess they started catching up. They had a 10 to 10 game the, uh, the other day. So, <laughs> you know, it's spring training. You get what you get.
0: You know, speaking of just being emotional about players during the championship run, Brandon Crawford signs with the St. Louis Cardinals, and I honestly thought that Crawford would retire. I, I mean, I just had this feeling that he would, but but at the same time, when he didn't do it at the end of last season, then you wondered yeah. because like wouldn't he want to you know have all the accolades and everything? So he's giving it a go with the Cardinals, and we'll see what kind of playing time he gets. I mean. It, you know, do the Giants lament this though, not having him? You know, finish his career in a Giants uniform.
1: Yeah, well, I guess if he feels like he could play a couple more years, there's always a chance he could come back. But I thought when he didn't announce his retirement at the end of last season, that it was either a he was going to play somewhere or b he was like like the Sandoval situation or, or a couple of other players they've had in the past come back and retire as a Giant, but. Apparently feels he can still play, and the St. Louis Cardinals feel he can still play. So I think he was kind of looking around to see if anybody still believed in him. I mean, the skills have obviously declined. We saw that with the Giants last year. That doesn't mean he still can't be an asset to a team, and the Cardinals obviously feel that way about him because he's going to be a uh, a mentor to the to the young shortstop they have there. And they, they also have an injury situation with Tommy Edmonds, so they, they needed a backup. Uh, for the shortstop position, and a guy with his resume and his experience and his knowledge, heck, yeah. I mean, I think it was a good fit for him in that regard. It's just weird to see him in a Cardinal uniform. I understand that. But, I don't know, maybe the the Giants were waiting around to see maybe they could sign him to a minor league contract. Didn't want to sign him to a $2 million deal that the Cardinals did. Uh, I'm just speculating here. But, obviously, they weren't jumping at the chance to get him because he was out there. So, I mean, good for Crawford. Uh, again, if if you can get a job, go ahead and play. See what you still got. Uh, I I would have to think this is the end of the line. But uh, you know, this is a guy who I think has panned out better than a lot of people thought in his career. You know, I I, I saw him play at UCLA, and I remember telling Bobby Evans when they drafted him that you made a good pick there. This guy can really pick it. We all knew what he was offensively or defensively. We just didn't know what he could contribute offensively. Turns out to be a better offensive player, I think, than a lot of people figured. So it's possible he could could jump up and put up some numbers uh, this year for the Cardinals. But I do think he'll be an asset for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think he surpassed the expectations with the bat. When you first saw him, uh, you thought he was just okay, but, you know, he he showed a lot more power. Uh, He was an MVP candidate one year. There was a lot of improvement. But defensively, that was the thing where I, I still get goosebumps thinking about the plays that he made at shortstop, the range that he had, great arm. Uh, you know, and he was following up. Omar Vizquel was here, and that was, the, you know, that was at the end of his career, so he wasn't the same guy. But still, uh, just watching him play, I was loving it. And then when you see Crawford and the plays that he was making, oh, man. And plus he was a class act just as a person, you know, for us interviewing him, uh, you know, just sure. to be around him. Just just a great guy, I thought.
1: Oh, yeah, and, and, you know, dependable. He didn't get hurt a lot in his career. You could plug him in there and short stuff for a decade. Uh, and you know a guy like that who can field his position like he did uh, with that arm—that uh, that's the recipe for having a consistently good team. To have a player like that out there, uh, you know the the kinds of acrobatic plays he made too, and that that you can't figure in the analytics. And I kind of got panned on social media about this when I talked about the impact a player like Vizquel has and why I thought he should be in the Hall of Fame. There's that intangible thing when you take a hit away from an opposing player, and you do it in a spectacular way, Uh, let's say your team's asleep a little bit, that wakes you up. That charges up the starting pitcher. That charges up the rest of the defense. All of a sudden, your ears are perked up. It's an incalculable incalculable play where you can't really quantify how it helps your team, but you just know it does. And the players who can do that uh, with with those kind of spectacular plays on defense can really put a charge in a team. I don't know what I don't know what that's worth in war, but it's worth something. I know that. Uh, and just because you can't quantify it, some people dismiss it. But if you play the game, you know how important that stuff is. And of course, when you do it, and many times he did it in the postseason. And of course, the play in Game Seven of the 2014 World Series will probably go down as uh, his magnum opus, so to speak, as one of the the great plays he ever made. And you know they have a shortstop in the Hall of Fame. I, I believe Travis Jackson, and they also had Dave Bancroft. For those of you who remember early 20th century Giants baseball, and I know many of you do. <laughs>
0: but
1: <laughs> but I, I would submit that Brandon Crawford might have been the greatest shortstop in Giants history.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I'm on board with that. I thought Rich Aurelia offensively was was up there. But not yeah. defensively like Crawford and Chris Spire was a really good shortstop too in the, back in the day mm. uh, with the Giants. Uh, by the, the way, Gaucho. yeah, the Gaucho, yeah, yeah the Gaucho, uh, and the Cardinals don't. According to this schedule I'm just glancing at, the Cardinals don't come to San Francisco until the last four games of the season, <laughs> the end of September.
1: I know. Last there? three
0: games, like three game series. Yeah. yeah. Wow.
1: So, it's, so it's possible he could retire in the ballpark. Right? <laughs> <You know? laughs>
0: That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, before we finish with Giants, I just wanted to you know kind of look at the rotation because, I mean, you, you, as bad as things were in the off and look at what the Dodgers did and everything, if you have a rotation that can slow down the opponent a little bit, you know things can be a little bit more optimistic. And and certainly at the top of it, when you look at Logan Webb, they have a, you know a real gem there, a guy who can be a Cy Young candidate. After that. It's going to be interesting as far as seeing, you know, who's healthy out of Cobb coming back from an injury. Uh, Ray, who they just acquired, uh, you know, from Seattle. Uh, You know, he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. So how do these guys perform? Because, you know, that's the thing you're going to and Kyle Harrison looks like the real deal, but he doesn't have a lot of experience. So you're going to need to have two or three starters that really give you a chance. That's why a lot of people were thinking Blake Snell, but that just hasn't happened yet.
1: No, no. This 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 rotation right now is a band called uh, Logan Webb and the Question Marks. Uh, they're, <laughs> right. They're like a they're like a cover band you find in a bar on a Saturday night in Auburn, maybe. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, they 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 do Creedence Clearwater or ZZ Top, maybe a little Thirty Eight Special. <laughs> they're they're pretty good, but you know during the week they're they're working at a law firm or maybe in construction. <laughs> but they got together because they knew each other since high school. Logan Webb in the question mark says, (laughs) go and see him today. (laughs) It's it's going to be either really good or it's going to be a mess because there are so many question marks. I mean, Kyle Harrison is their top prospect. I I think some have called him the top left-handed pitching prospect in baseball. He showed signs of that, but in very brief experience last year, uh, he could, could very well plug in as the number two starter. Uh, then, you know, there's a lot of people who have a have a high opinion of uh, Keaton wins upside. You know, he, he's got a couple of plus pitches. I think he, he throws that split more than anything, uh, maybe more than any pitcher in the game. So uh, that's a guy that, uh, you know, you could use as a building block. But you don't know that yet. You don't know what's going to happen with Alex Cobb. Uh, you don't know whether Robbie Ray is going to be the same guy. Of course, if he is, then they bought low, and they're going to have a a tremendous upside pitcher there. But by the time he comes, the Giants might be out of out of contention uh, in, in the playoff picture. You just can't say. Uh, you know, and and Jordan Hicks who they picked up. Well, he's got a great arm, but is he going to be a good starting pitcher? Because he hasn't done a lot of that. Yeah, there, there's just too many question marks here for me. And, which is why it would be a really, really, really good idea, even if you have to dip into the luxury tax a little bit, to uh, get a guy like uh, Blake Snell. Uh, I don't think it would hurt to do a deal like uh, Cody Bellinger. I think we're talking about another Boris client, aren't we? Yeah, well, he's he
0: just signed with the Cubs, so he's he's out of the picture. But Chapman, I mean, he's still out there.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm saying, but that kind of deal.
0: Yeah. Well, oh, where they just come like, in for a year and then you, they can opt out, right?
1: Right, right. And so maybe you, you give them a big number the first year to entice them with the opt-out. Right. And, and and it's a little less risk for a team to sign a, a pitcher to a long-term deal. And I know that Farhan doesn't like to do that. And, and by the way, I agree with that most of the time. Now, they let Gossman go and he got more money elsewhere, but this is kind of their motive, Saffiranda, get a, get a veteran pitcher who might've had a little downtime, bring him to that ballpark and, and have a raw revival. And that resonates with a lot of veteran pitchers and it makes San Francisco at least attractive for that, if not for hitters. But uh, I, I can see that scenario playing out where they get Snell there. He has a great year and he opts out, but during that great year, he would really help the team. And if they're not going to be an imposing offensive team, and I mean, they're, that offense is going to assault you with mediocrity this year. <laughs> Maybe they're going to lull pitchers into complacency because they still don't have a guy that scares anybody. I think not. Not like you know the top tier players do. They might wear you down though. And I think Solera was a good pickup. Yeah. That was a that was a plus for them. But it's still not a lineup that's going to wreak terror for pitchers. So what else are you going to be able to do? You got to be better defensively and I think they have a chance to do that. You know, a shortstop, you mentioned Crawford, that's a big question mark, and that's a, that's a pretty important position to have a question mark. They they might have a real solution at the end of the year. Maybe Luciano comes into his own, but beyond that, if they're going to do anything, they've got to have that pitching together. Absolutely have to have that pitching together. So I think it's a really high priority to get somebody like Snell or Montgomery signed, and, and I'm seeing the... Uh, news stories i think susan Slesser wrote something uh in the last day or so that maybe a 50 50 chance they sign one of those two guys uh chapman or or snell i don't know where montgomery figures in this but i, I would think that you, the the main goal would be to get snell if they could
0: yeah i mean i think you're right if if the cubs pulled it off with bellinger and scott boris to you know, to have that short-term deal, I don't see why you can't pull that off with one of the other players. You know, if they're waiting, it's getting late here. You know, to yeah. to be able to have a, a team. You know what would be scary for opposing lineups is if, let's say, Jordan Hicks does develop into a good starter and he's throwing a hundred miles an hour most of the game, or at least close to that. And then you bring in Duvall to close it out, and he's throwing a hundred. That'd be pretty Ooh. good, right? <laughs>
1: Ooh, I, I, the only problem with that is. Major League hitters being Major League hitters, it's not much of an adjustment to go from 100 to 100. That's true. You you understand what the speed is, and a lot of these guys can still adjust at 9,900 miles an hour. But still, yeah, that would be a pretty uh, spicy little combination to throw out there. It'd be fun (laughs) to watch anyway. I mean, there's some arms here. There's some real arms here. There's no doubt about that. And Robbie Ray, I mean, if he comes back and is Robbie Ray, yeah, they've really got something. But again, a lot of ifs
0: a lot of ifs. All right, quickly on the 49ers before we finish up. Uh, to me a no-brainer to bring back Ayuk especially after the, you know, the salary cap has been raised up. You got to figure out a way to get that done. Uh, yeah. Chase-, Chase Young, I don't know if that's as much of a no-brainer, but you know, and he's a free agent. I'd like to see him back, but a lot of uh, the thinking this week is focused on who's going to be the defensive coordinator and they interviewed Brandon Staley already the former coach of the Chargers who didn't really do a great job there I I don't know about his head coaching skills especially a lot you know going forward on fourth down as much as he did but maybe as a defensive coordinator could be pretty good what do you think
1: well yeah I mean you you gotta hear what they said in the the locker room in LA about him and find out what was going on there Uh, you know some of that was out in the media and some of it was not it didn't sound real good didn't reflect real well on Staley as a head coach but um, you know I, I I think he could do a decent job as a defensive coordinator there are a few guys out there I think you know that there's I don't think there's a shortage of of, of guys who could do a good job with this group obviously there was a, a disconnect with Steve Wilkes they don't want to have that again it's not like Wilkes did a poor job it just wasn't you know to the level that and it wasn't the the type of scheme that he's used to. So that made it a little difficult uh, all around. And, you know, when some players aren't on the same page or don't know some things going to the Super Bowl, that's never a good look. So I think they have the pieces in place. I don't know about Chase Young. I mean, he was off and on. Uh, It was an okay pickup. It was worth a shot. But I'm not even worried about that. I think they could probably get a draft pick who could be just as effective as him, to be honest about it. Randy Gregory had his moments. Uh, you know, I, I think you've got to get Bosa unleashed. Uh, you know, they, I know they double him. I, I know he's the guy they, they want to stop. but And I think he would agree with this, that they need a little more production out of him next year. Otherwise, you know, they've got some great pieces in place there. They damn <laughs> near won the Super Bowl. Uh, but I think that is probably the biggest question in the offseason is uh, number one, Ayuka, and number two, the D.C. But I think they can get a good one.
0: Yeah, we'll probably find out uh, coming up here soon from what we understand. Well, Ray, thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. Uh, it's been fun so far doing this podcast again, and uh, we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. It'll be deep into March Madness. Uh, the next time we talk, actually, probably before the tournament, we'll, we'll get in a podcast, and then uh, March Madness gets started.
1: Yeah, and, and by that time, my bracket will already be busted, so <laughs> you, you, you can count on that. But I I just want to say thanks again to Kane's Tire and to Harding Park for jumping on once again this year. Really happy to have them.
0: That's Ray Woodson. I'm Joe Castellano. Thanks for listening to the Sports Virus Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network.